0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to podcast 142. You know, one of Jesus' teachings is that you and me will never be any more loved than we are right at this very moment. You'll never be any more loved than you are right now. Kind of gets at the heart Of what Jesus teaches. And not only will you. Never be loved anymore. You can can change that word too. Because it's hard for us to. Really receive what that means. You could say. As far as God's concerned. You'll never be. Any more accepted. Than you are today. Or you'll never be any more. Cared for. Or forgiven than you are today or try another word you'll never be any more cherished by God than you are right at this moment today now you might think cherished you know I mean you might not necessarily do you feel like you are cherished by God possibly not right but you, possibly you don't feel that, right? But actually, it is one of the promises. God says, you know, you are, you're the apple of my eye. You're the apple of my eye. It's, it's a little bit like, um, it's a little bit like having a, a baby or a puppy or a kitten or so, something precious to you, right? You get this new little pet or a new baby joins the family, The baby gets love just because they're there, right? They don't actually do anything. They're just being. They haven't had any time to grow up and do things. So they're just sort of there. There's the baby. And immediately, I mean, good parents, they're just going to adore this baby, right? Same with your little pup. You're just going to adore this little creature. Uh, What what did they do to earn it? Nothing, really. It's just because they're there. Well, in a similar way, the scripture teaches that this is the way God is with us. Now, obviously when we're talking about God, we're, we're anthropomorphizing, which means, right, big word, we're attributing human behaviors to God, but we have to do that really because it's the only way that we can get a glimpse into what God is like. We really have to sort of attribute human behaviors to God because otherwise we just can't get our arms around any of these teachings. But this is what Jesus teaches. He said, and it's very difficult for us to let this in, that you'll never be any more cared for, loved, accepted, forgiven, whatever it is you think you need. You'll never have any more of it than you have right at this moment. Now, I think one of the reasons that it is very difficult for most of us to receive this at any deep level is because we live in a a world of rewards and nothing is free and you work for what you get, right? And this starts when we're really young. This starts when we're like in primary school, right? You're graded, you're tested, And if you do well, you get rewarded. And if you don't do well, you don't get rewards. And later on when you're older, you know, you start to work and you're promoted or you're not. It's the way the world works. And the problem comes when we assume that our spiritual lives or inner lives have the same... Rules and values as the world, which they don't at all. Our inner life is, our relationship with God is entirely of a different order. In fact, Jesus teaches you can gain the world and lose your soul, meaning you can jump through all the hoops of the world and gain what the people around you would classify as success and yet you could still be quite empty on the inside. You you could spend your life pursuing and working and striving and still coming up short. Why is that? Well, as Jesus is saying, you can gain the world, but you can lose your soul, meaning there's a whole different way of looking at life when you look at it from God's perspective. It's entirely different. And oftentimes you'll notice that Jesus' teaching often turns everything upside down in a way or it's sort of the opposite of what we've been taught. So today we're looking at a teaching. It's a teaching that, um, it's the setting is, is that Jesus is at this dinner party and uh, there's a lot of sort of posing uh jockeying for position and power i'm sure you've been to these i'm sure you've had the experience at some time or another where you've been in a group and people are trying to impress one another right uh Horrible situation. I'm glad to say that it's been such a long time since I've been in a crowd like this because I've kind of figured out, you know, how to stay away from people that are really like this. But it's when people are networking and trying to impress and or make business contacts or or get in with the right people. You know, this sort of kind of party. Yeah, you always know when you have the misfortune of attending one of these events because they're incredibly tedious. There's Nobody ever speaks about anything of, of substance. It's all money and who owns what and who knows who and people are vying for recognition and competing against one and name-dropping. Yeah, you know the whole thing. Okay, well, the setting uh, of this parable is that Jesus is invited to a dinner party and he's in the house of a leading religious leader. Yeah, and by the way, of course, all this sort of jockeying for power and position happens in churches too, right? In religious institutions too. It can happen anywhere. But back to the parable. He's in this group. They're sitting at dinner and he notices, he's just watching people watching, and he notices that everyone is trying to make sure that they get the best seat around the table. Now, 2,000 years ago, the best seat around the table, the table was U-shaped, and the host would sit at the very center of that U. So if you really wanted to you know, be in the place of importance, then you would want to sit as close to the host as possible. And Jesus is watching this. He's watching all these people trying to get to the best seat. And he notices everyone pushing in first to get the best seat. And he addresses this. He addresses this with a parable. And basically the parable is if you are invited to a dinner party you do not want to get in there first push your way through to the first seat because the host might say to you I don't want you to sit there I want you to sit over here. So be careful. So when he notices all this Jockeying for a position, he gives him this parable and he says, Let me just read some of the lines here from Luke 14. He says, When you are invited to a wedding banquet, don't sit down in the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And then your host might say to you, Give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lower place. But when you're invited to a banquet, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, come, move up higher. And then the last line is, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, this is a parable. So... Again, this isn't just about you know good manners, right? He's not just saying uh, you know when you when you're invited to the banquet, don't take the best seat because that's rude, <laughs> and you might be asked to take another seat. So don't do that because that's not smart. It, really, I think what he is getting at here is he's, what he's addressing is this need to impress this. Whole idea of what, what does it mean to take the best seat? Is this need to win someone's favor? Is this need to be recognised in somebody? Why are you trying to win her favor? Why are you trying to win his favor? You know why is it so important to you that you are liked or? appreciated or that you're important. He's pointing out this 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 human drive to win favor basically. So he says when you're invited to the banquet, don't sit down in the place of honor. Don't take the highest seat. You don't need to do that. Right? This need can show up. This whole idea of pushing yourself forward in some way. It can show up in so many ways. Jesus is showing us that the need many of us have have to feel important. And again, this need can show up in many different ways. The old biblical word is pride, by the way. Now pride can look, very different in in different types of people. It certainly can look like one-upmanship, right? It can look like competition. It can look like the need to be right or get ahead. It can be pushy. But pride can also be pretty subtle. It can always... Pride can also be an attitude that um, this family would fall apart if it wasn't for me. Or this relationship would fall apart, if it wasn't for me, holding it together. Or this company, or this church, or this business. It doesn't really matter what it is. You know, pride is thinking a little bit too much of yourself. Yeah, this this whole family would fall apart if it wasn't for me. This relationship would Maybe not, Jesus is saying. Maybe not. Maybe not. You know, he spoke an awful lot about humility. Jesus. It's a tricky balance, this whole... It's, it's not easy to get the balance between well, the, the biblical word uh, pride and humility. Nowadays, we'd, we'd say it differently. would say, people tend to inflate themselves. Okay, you all know people like that, Right? We all know people who tend to inflate themselves, right? The conversation is always about me, what I think, what my opinion is, how you do things. They take over conversation and you're there listening. On the other hand, people also fall into the other uh, side, which is people tend to undervalue themselves, so that's, that's, that's the two tendencies. You know, you undervalue. So if we inflate, we, we think of ourselves as better, more important. So that can be a bit pushy. We can push people around enough. You know, we want to get ahead. And we want just to just ignore people that can't help us move ahead with our goals and desires and purposes. Or we can undervalue ourselves which looks like basically trying to please everyone around us or trying to please the people that we think that can somehow, I don't know, fulfill us in some way. So if we undervalue ourselves, we tend to people-please to get what we need. Yeah, it's, these, it's two extremes, pride and humility. They're these two extremes. Um, One of the old writers, William Temple, said, Humility doesn't mean thinking less of yourself than other people. And humility doesn't mean having a low opinion of your gifts. He says that, that humility means freedom from thinking about yourself one way or another at all. Isn't that great? It's like he's, he's saying, that's what really, what humility is, what true humility is, is to know your place in this world before God. It's like, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm not even thinking about myself. But the temptation is for people to either, you know, inflate themselves, the know-it-alls of this world, it's all about me, or undervalue So this is what Jesus is seeing at this party. He's seeing the inflated one. You know, striving to get ahead, striving to be noticed. And then it's like Jesus comes and said, you know, (laughs) you're, you're, you're all assuming that you need something out there. Whether you inflate yourself or whether you undervalue yourself, whether you have trouble with pride or whether you just undervalue yourself low self-esteem we call it nowadays right Jesus comes along and says you're all you're both both sides are assuming you you still need something out there in order to be okay right so some people are people pleasing and other people are pleasing themselves or trying to get in with the right people that will help them along. It's like Jesus is saying it's both. Both sides are wrong because both sides are focused on different ways of fulfilling needs. So then Jesus comes along with this completely different way. It's like so. What if you already have what you think you need? I mean, what if you already. What if you already have a place at the table and it's the best place? Uh, What if you already have a place right next to the host using the metaphor of the table? What if you've already got this? In other words, what if you're already loved? What if you're already of great value but you just haven't quite received it yet. What if you're already of immeasurable worth? What if you're what if you're chosen and loved and cherished and forgiven? What if you'll never be any more loved than you are right now? But somehow you haven't quite let that in, and so. You're still striving, and hoping, and looking outside of yourself to find what you're looking for. You see how he turns it around. He's saying, "Yeah, it's like Jesus is saying. You know what? You, you don't have to. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to live this way. Like you're somehow." having to push ahead to get what you need because you have everything that you need at this time, at this moment. It's like, take it's a lifetime's work really to let this in at at an emotional level. But Jesus, this is what grace is by the way. This is what grace is. Because grace is all about, you hear that word grace, right? We talk about amazing grace. We, we sing about amazing grace. Well, what is grace? Well, it's, it's basically an undeserved favor. I mean, it's like you don't get it because you deserve it. You know, you don't get love because you're good all the time. Who would get it? You don't get acceptance because you are perfect all the time. Who would be able to get it? You know I mean there's certain things that you can't win in God's eyes there's just certain things that you can't secure by yourself you, you you could never do enough or be good enough or be kind enough or be helping enough I mean you would always fall short right because you're human so that's why the scriptures always talking about no no you Yes, yeah, grace. It's all grace. Yeah. You, you're loved because God made you for love. You're acceptable because God made you acceptable. You're forgiven, not because you've made up for all your past mistakes, what we could never make up for anyway, because God forgives. It's, that's the nature of God. The nature of God is to accept and forgive and love and, and you're a child of God and that's what you get. Yeah, it's like no strings attached. That's what it is. That's what it is. And our lifetime's spiritual work, I think I'll call it, I think I'll call it spiritual work, is learning how to, to receive that and noticing when we're looking uh, to other people and other situations for something that they can't give us. And there's the prayer. There's the heart cry. God, help us to receive that, that we will never be any more loved than we are right now. Well, thank you for joining me. You have been listening To Celtic Preacher, join with me again next week for another episode.